Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. What is a ghost? How do we tell if an entity is naughty or nice? Is everything we know wrong? Hello and welcome to the 1010th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno coming to you from WON AM and FM Radio in Woonsocket, Rhode Island on the Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live and on YouTube. I'm Ben and that was Paul and today we bring you a new guest on a hot topic. So Joshua Chairs is a musician, paranormal investigator, publicist, researcher, and writer. He needs more accolades. He needs needs more. Uh, yeah. Joshua's interests in the paranormal began at an early age while watching Unsolved Mysteries with Robert Stack, a classic. Uh, Joshua is a 2008 graduate of the Westchester Uni- of Westchester University in Pennsylvania. Yes, and a future graduate student majoring in business administration. Uh, in 2020, Joshua founded Phantom Detectives LLC to help people who were going through paranormal experiences using the Paranormal Research Society blueprint in order to help people uh, who are going through things they can't scientifically explain. In 2021, Phantom Detectives LLC purchased the rights to the late Art Bell's former affiliate director's uh, new program, or news program, I should say, uh, Dark Matter News. His websites, phantomdetectives.org, darkmatternews.com, erc2explore.com, and... All sorts of other wonderful things. So, Joshua Chairs, welcome to Behind the Paranormal. Thank you. I look forward to coming in also from your listeners. Well, hey, so uh, I guess we can we can just hop right into it here. Um, so what makes Phantom Detectives different than from the thousands of other uh, ghost hunting organizations or groups uh, that say they want to help people improve the existence of the afterlife, etc.? Phantom Detectives it's much different than because uh, not only do we have connections to the late Art Bell via Dark Matter program that Leo Ashcraft ran for him, but also because we have some of the most state-of-the-art equipment in the world uh, that most teams, 90% of the teams don't have, such as uh, lighted dowsing rods, uh, various EMF meters, uh, also the new SLS cameras with 3D mapping. We also use... Uh, you know, state-of-the-art ghost boxes, um, DVRs. I mean, we really have some of the state-of-the-art equipment. So that's one thing that differentiates ourselves from other paranormal investigation teams is the equipment aspect. We also cover, uh, we also have a UFO organization from our lead investigator, director, and client relations, Rick. He is certified through MUFON. He used to be a part of MUFON in Delaware and then started his own UFO organization, so we have that. We, we, have, we cover the UFOs with his organization. We also have our psychic medium, Melissa Ferrazano. Um, Melissa, of course, is a student of Cindy Kaysa from the Holzer file, so we got the mediumship end covered. And we also have the historical research, which is uh, my area of expertise. And we're the only team in the world that has the psychic lawyer also on our team as a researcher, the world-famous Mark Anthony, the psychic lawyer, psychic explorer. He's on our team. And, of course, you know, we have um, various, uh, you know, other, you know, avenues such as, you know, connections to some of the you know, legendary hosts and different things. So we're definitely having a lot of various platforms that we can continue to improve and grow. So I think from, the, you know, historical research to the equipment to the mediums that we have on our team, we, we definitely differentiate ourselves from other teams out there. What do we mean by haunted? 
Haunted, uh, basically, there's like so many different ways. There's four types of hauntings that uh, people can normally classify themselves. The first one is intelligent hauntings, which are, you know, things that directly interact with the living. You know, such as, say, for example, if you're hearing footsteps or you're hearing noises of doors or doors closing on their own, that is one type of haunting, which is something that directly interacts with the living. There's also residual haunting, which my friends from Rhode Island, of course, which are the Atlantic Paranormal Society, right, local to you guys up in Warwick, uh, Jason Hawes and Grant Wilson, longtime friends of mine, they actually defined uh, a residual haunting as a tape recorder that plays itself over and over again, like a record that's spinning around. That is uh, one kind of haunting, residual haunting. There's also the other kind of haunting, which is the uh, demonic haunting. Phantom Detective defines uh, demonic hauntings as any kind of negative entity that preys on the living. I've seen cases where people would get scratched. I've seen cases where people often would uh, get lifted up out of bed. All kinds of other things. So there's definitely a lot of demonic entities out there. And then, of course, there's poltergeist, which is noisy ghosts. Poltergeist hauntings are normally uh, defined as, like, you know, levitating plants and, you know, moving stuff around. So... Those are the four kind of hauntings that, you know, that are currently out there. Intelligent, residual, uh, demonic, and poltergeist. Now, this uh, Paranormal Research Society, that's Ryan Buell's group? Yes, and funny thing, is, funny thing you mentioned, Ryan Buell, we actually have um, a couple connections to him. First thing is we actually got his old tri-field EMF meter, the old needle-nose Trifield uh, actually was given to me by a friend. We just acquired that in May. So we actually have Ryan Buell's old uh, Trifield EMF meter. And what's awesome is Phantom Detectives just launched on our website, phantomdetectives.org. We're going to be setting up a new occult symbols, uh, also spirituality department, which is actually going to be ran by, her name's Holly Faust. Holly, of course, worked with Paranormal Research Society. She was Elfie Music's assistant, and she's going to be joining us now, working with us remotely on spirituality and occult research and occult symbols. Uh, fantastic guest. So we actually have one of the former PRS members working now with Band of Detectives, along with his former um, EMF meters. And here's a funny connection. My best friend, Gwen for Lizzie, went to college with uh, Katrina Wyden, who's pretty famous, uh, you know, on Paranormal State. She's been on Portals to Hell. Um, also, Paranormal Lockdown, she went to school with her, and also Heather Taddy, who Heather, of course, uh, is very close to my best friend, Gwen. So, I have a direct connection to uh, PRS, and they've been a huge influence on me of how I'm going to try to build this thing from the ground up here in Pennsylvania, but kind of expand upon it and make it my own version of it. So, this is going to sound like a weird question. Uh, what is spirituality? Spirituality is defined as, like, a belief in something like basically connecting with yourself and also connecting with your loved ones. And there are different ways that you can basically find uh, spirituality. So one thing that we've always been very amazed of how spirituality works, there are all kinds of ways, there's religious dimensions that people can do. So there are dimensions of spirituality. First is the emotional dimension, which is like it's, it's basically how you feel about a particular situation, if you're happy, are you sad, are you, uh, you know, are you uh, angry? There's also the physical dimension, which means you can 
touch, taste, and feel a particular object, like one of your five senses. There's also the intellectual one, which basically is using your intelligence to help achieve something and also to help process things uh, correctly. And there's also occupation, which means you use a job that you may have to help shape your, in your religious beliefs, such as, you know, being at a pastor at a church or, you know, a deacon or a leader. And the last dimension, of course, is the social dimension, which means how you interact with others, network, and use your religious beliefs to help shape who you are. Hmm. I I don't disagree. I have. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you another 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 fun question here because I'm 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 ninety percent sure. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I think I understand where you're coming from. And yes. my question has to do with scientific materialism. Do you find that as a paranormal investigator, you have a hard yeah. time separating? A scientific materialist version of yourself versus a spiritualist version of yourself. Absolutely. I think that especially the best way to do that, of course, we actually in Fan Detectives use the scientific method, which is, of course, you know, observe, create a hypothesis, test a hypothesis and develop it, and then see if you gather a lot of results uh, based upon that hypothesis. So that's why we use the paranormal equipment and set it up in the active area in locations that we are investigating to see if, you know, we can try to figure out, okay, is this, for example, someone, this client is actually seeing this door fly open by itself. Is there some kind of scientific explanation uh, doing that, such as maybe the door is deadbolted, maybe there's wind pushing in, is there some kind of draft coming in for, for ventilation? So much like ghost hunters, we try to debunk things that are in the environment. Maybe like, for example, uh, you know, a person is hallucinating seeing a ghost in their uh, kitchen, but yet there's a lot of kitchen appliances in there that are causing high EMF fields. So we use EMF meters to try to, you know, near the appliances to see if there's any kind of uh, rationale that can be explained from that. So usually if you're trying to use anything kind of debunking things, but then if you can somehow, you know, have some kind of personal experience happening during the investigation, you can validate the client's claims. That's pretty Big, but it's also important that you got to separate that from your spiritual side, because I'm a born-again Christian and religious, but also I don't believe every client's claims of activity unless I experience it for myself. So you have to kind of, like, you know, have a barrier. you got to kind of keep those two separate uh, entities, like when you're on the investigation, then when you're off the investigation. It's kind of keeping them both kind of connected together on a bridge. Like, they connect, but there are two totally opposite ends. Mm, I... Oh, please, Dad. Well, so... Uh... Like Ryan Buell's, your base theories are very traditional. Yeah. Uh, why do you still think ghosts are dead people? Well, I think ghosts are dead people because there are so many uh, people out there that have loved ones that have passed on. So many people like Dr. Raymond Moody, who has uh, created a whole entire thing about people that are believing in life after death. And, of course, you know, he's created an entire... Um, you know, decades of research about this uh, subject, one of the most fascinating guys in the world for near-death experiences. So I believe people are loved ones and also those who have passed away are actually still with us. So I think there's a lot of near people seeing near-death experiences and, and also feeling things. And there's also, of course, the, um, the psychic end of it where people are using readings. I think that a lot of times spirits can communicate through psychics and mediums uh, and maybe not always, like, they're 100% accurate, but there are people out there that have a sixth sense where they can pick up things where that most 
normally no other people wouldn't. For example, our psychic medium, Melissa, who's not here today, but she is been taught by Cindy Kaza from the Holzer Files, who studied under one of the top mediums in the world. I believe uh, Cindy's mentor, of course, was a pretty world-renowned uh, psychic himself. So, you know, there's a lot of different ways that you can feel things in, in the environment. And I think these spirits, like, you know, they're always they're, they're around us. We may not see them there, but they're physically there, but they're, they're there spiritually. And sometimes we might feel, like, you know, an impression. We might feel like some kind of like sign, like, you know, maybe a particular smell. We're using our five senses and also our sixth sense, which is our psychic opinion that's shape, you know, what's around us. So these spirits are all around us. We just got to see them and feel them. But I've, I think we've captured evidence from our, all of our investigations that would make a lot of people into believers. Like we have a video of a door flying open by itself at this mill, which we have no reasonable explanation for. It's bolted shut. We're the only ones on the property. How did that happen? You know, <laughs> That's a that's a really good point because that leads right into my next question. Um, now I, I'm not trying to sound insulting, um, but right. how's that going? How who are you trying to prove this to, and how is it going? I think I'm trying to prove this to myself because I come from a skeptic perspective, meaning like I don't like believe all the client claims, but also at the same time I'm open that there is a spiritual dimension. So we, I have to, I'm kind of more in it to like go out there and capture this activity for our clients and all these homes and businesses to be able to prove to myself that there is something out there because a skeptic point of view basically means like you don't accept the beliefs or the beliefs of the client, but it's also you're open to the idea of the afterlife, but also you need to have it like scientifically proven. Like you need to feel it or experience something like such as capturing an EVP um, or something like that. So I think it's more for like trying to prove to myself. And of course my team members would probably say the same things with their selves. They want to prove that what they are experiencing and feeling and, you know, with using the equipment to capture evidence is, you know, we're trying to prove to ourselves that there is an afterlife and there is people out there that are haunting these homes and businesses. And some of them are trapped there. Maybe they need to be, um, you know, maybe we need it, like, such as like smudging. We might we have a negative entity. We might need to, uh, you know, get rid of it using smudge and sage. So for me, it's about proving it to ourselves most of all. And then, of course, you know, try to using the evidence that we've gathered to draw a hypothesis and correlate that and see if there's any positive relationship between the evidence that we capture and our in our personal beliefs. So that there's you've used the word experience a number of times throughout our conversation so far. How important is the experience to all of this? I would say experience is one of the most important things because doing an investigation requires a lot of work. You have to be able to, of course, you got to contact the location or they got to contact you. And now the beautiful thing is right on our website, phantomdetectives.org, if people are having, you know, feelings that there's something going on, they can just hit the request help tab and it goes right to darkmatternews.com so now people can just fill out the form with all the information. Then it goes to Melissa. And then Melissa, of course, who is like the case manager as well, she'll get the information and she'll give it to Rick and, and myself in the group text. And we'll talk about the investigation. So experience is very important because we've gotten better and better and better with every investigation. Like when we first started, we were kind of like all scattered all over the place. Like one person will go here, one person will go here. But now like we work as a unit, we're very much like, you know, um, one group and one uh, entity. So what we try to do is we work together the entire night, like from the setup. Then you got to factor in the amount of time that it takes. You have to set up all the equipment. 
um, a couple of years ago, we weren't very experienced, but now we know exactly where to set up the DVRs. We know exactly where to set up the REM pods, the K2 meters, I mean, the voice recorder. So it really just comes down to um, the more that you do something and the more that you continue to practice, the better you're going to get. And eventually you'll create your own kind of uniform system of investigating that makes you stand out from other different paranormal investigation teams. So there's a really interesting um, idea that the Greeks had, because they had many different words for many different things. Everyone knows the whole love garbage thing. We're not talking about that. We're talking about knowledge, right? You know, how, how one interacts with how one thinks, the thoughts, etc., um, and there's there's different ways in which we we deal with things, right? You know, you don't you know talk to a person who's having you know uh, you know who's having a really hard time, like you're treating it like a like a car manual or doing a math problem, right? You, you right. think in different ways and and how one deals with it. So they had words like techni, which was like technical knowledge, epistemi, which was uh, scientific knowledge, and an oddly very important one was doxa, which which is essentially the knowledge of public opinion, right? And um, there's a very interesting distinction between all of these different things, right? So you can get all the data you want, but at the end of the day, you need to use something to interpret it, which would be personal experience or public opinion, right? Yeah. So by using technology, right, you're you're trying to achieve things by by measuring the environment, you know, trying to to capture bits and and, and bobs and pieces, and and in the end, you still need to interpret them. Now, do you find that there's an issue with the interpretation? Oh, I think there's a lot of times because especially factor in electronic voice phenomena or EVPs, like on quite a few times, like, you know, we would clean it up in Audacity and then we would upload it and then like put it on our website. And when people would go to the website to visit, you know, there's going to be different people like, you know, such as like one person might think the word, oh, like, for example, one, one EVP we captured last year on this light ship called the Lightship Overfalls in Lewis, Delaware, we actually got this EVP that was clear. It said, hello, help me, in this woman's voice. And there was nobody on the ship. There was nobody outside that could have said that. So, but then, like, we had another EVP that um, basically said, uh, you know, right here with a whisper. And one person thought it said, uh, I'm near instead of right here. So a lot of times with public opinion, EVPs are, you know, broken you might get words and fragments um, out of an audio, so one person might interpret that electronic voice uh, phenomena uh, versus another person. So sometimes you have to kind of really kind of listen to understand what the uh, spirits are saying to you. Or, for example, if you're using like a thermal camera, which is point and click, you just uh, you like use like that a thermal imaging camera. You might get like a, an image that might that you might think is actually like a spirit, but then you find out you got to make sure there's no like hot and cold signatures. Um, you got to make sure that there's no um, draft coming in, you know, and also you got to make sure that if it's hot, if it's a, if it's a cat on the floor or a dog, um, you got to look out for that stuff. And also the SLS camera, we also use that, which is the structured light sensor camera. It, uh, you know, creates uh, stick figures on the uh, on the screen. You got to make sure you also make sure that you don't have any objects near the SLS camera, such as a water bottle or a chandelier hanging from a wall, because it will falsely map it and you'll get a false reading. So you have to be kind of very careful. We do a great job of understanding how to use the equipment and where to use it at. Uh, that's what, something that just comes with experience at teams. Um, you know, you have to just go out there and learn, like, exactly what how the equipment works and, you know, understand where, where the best place to use that equipment is. EVPs standing for electronic voice phenomena. 
Yeah. Now, Joshua, what would you say to the physicists who have told us that uh, the notion, the classical notion of a spirit containing full personality, etc., is not possible under the laws of thermodynamics? How does that work? Well, the laws of, of there's like, of course, there's different things like Michio Kaku, string theory. There's all these different scientific theories and how something that, you know, one thing I love with Mark Anthony, our psychic lawyer, he came up with this fantastic book called The Afterlife Frequency, where basically he talks about the electromagnetic soul, which is energy, you know, all those scientists out there, energy is the, the, the law of energy, which states that energy cannot move, cannot can be created nor destroyed, but move from one form to another. So when we die, I think the biggest problem with science is that it doesn't use, it doesn't really even mention the law of energy. Why can't, as we die, our souls go into like a pond? And Mark Anthony defines this very well in the afterlife frequency as like you create, you throw a stone in the water and you create a ripple effect. Why can't there be ripples of echoes of time that are in an environment? And I think scientists, um, you know, do a great job of understanding this, but to get to, to prove people that there's an afterlife unless they actually physically experience it for themselves, like scientists are always going to say, well, that's not true, or there's no such thing as ghosts or hauntings. So the best thing that we can do is just prevent the, present the evidence that we have that we've gotten on our investigations and let them draw their own conclusions. And even if they say, hey, this is nothing but more than just a uh, you know a figment of your imagination, but there's going to be other people out there that might be open to that idea. So all we can do is just present the data that we have and you know, correlate it and see if there's a, you know, we can continue to refine our, uh, test our hypothesis, develop it, and see if we can come up with good results. And I think that's about the best thing we can do with the, uh, those uh, people who are not really uh, belief in afterlife, you know, such as telling an atheist, hey, there's no such thing as ghosts, but have you been to a, a paranormal investigation and actually experienced it? you gotta, you got to go and find out, you know. The only way you're going to do something unless, you, unless they find out for themselves. Here's a question. It's it, it may seem out of nowhere, but it's important. What yeah. is a body? Well, a body, of course, is a physical, you know, something that's physical, that's moving, that's living. You know, so our bodies are made of various organs. We've got a skeleton, muscular groups, circulatory system. It has a heart. We all have a heartbeat. We're all functioning. We're all moving around. We're all we're all physical people. We're, we were born into this world. We And, of course, we all eventually someday pass away. So a body is a physical form that moves and interacts with people. That's how we define it, is someone that is directly interacting with each other like we all uh, have our own personalities we all have our own like you know particular tastes and styles and we all have our own senses so a body is basically a physical manifestation of ourselves ah a platonist um so here's here's a uh well we're coming up on our on our break so i won't i won't hit you with anything too crazy um (laughs) as i uh, (laughs) it is a crazy question what is the soul the soul is basically, it's an echo of time. It's its a form that we all have passed on. We all, uh, you know, we, it's a physical, it's a, it's, a, it's a once representation of ourselves that is projected onto the uh, living, meaning like it's an echo of the past. It is a part of something that, that might have been one time, such as like, like I said, that old, uh, that electromagnetic soul, that law of energy. So we're, if it's moving around, that energy is still within that environment. So these are, uh, these are basically our energy forms are just moving around and you're creating ball balls of light and the soul. So the soul, in my opinion, is a physical 
is a is a is a part of a human that once was living but now is now is now passed on and now it may be still haunting a home or a business and needs to uh, get direction. So my opinion, our souls are, there's, there's been so many beliefs that people like, you know, even the Egyptians way back in the early days believed in the afterlife and of course, you know, sarcophaguses and, you know, wrapping up their kings, like King Tut in the uh, tombs. And then so that way they can be set for the other. Uh, there was so many different beliefs with the Egyptians, like, you know, Anubis and God of the dead. So there's so many ways to interpret the soul. It just depends on which religion and how you look at it. Hey, yeah, I'd, I'd say so um, in some sense of the word. But there, there was one thing that all ancient people kind of had, which was their their cosmology was very different than than yeah. ours today, and how they viewed the world and themselves in it. Uh, but we don't have time for that now. Um, but I think we should probably hop to our break before we yeah. hop into another question here. So you're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno with our wonderful guest, Joshua Chairs. And uh, we will continue this conversation right after this. Hi, this is Joanne Borsia-Hebert calling for all classmates of Wontocket High School Class of 1978. Come help us celebrate our 45th reunion at Bella's Restaurant in Glendale, Friday, September 15th from 5 to 10. Looking forward to sharing memories of our past and creating new ones. Please call Linda Barad Senecal at 401-766-3134 for more information. We also have a Facebook page, Winsocket High Class of 1978, to find out more information also. Hope to see you there. Local and live at 99.5 FM. Welcome back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno uh, here in New England's beautiful Blackstone River Valley. It's a nice, warm August day here, and uh, it's very, very, as you can see from our traffic cam here, uh, it is a wonderful day here on Park Ave and Kennedy Street. And we have one are with us, our wonderful guest, Joshua Chairs, and we are discussing the big questions. What are ghosts? What are souls? What are bodies? How does it all work? You know, what, what, do we, what do we do after we die? Who knows? But we'll get there when we get there, I suppose. And I guess, Joshua, we'll, we can hop right back into this. Um, I am I, I'm, I'm a little perplexed. Only because I've I've seen I've seen the tried and true method of of our our friends at Taps and all sorts of other things and right. they're doing the same things over and over and over and over again and and right. you know it's it's uh, it, uh, we not that not to not to disrespect I just I I I find that we are we are addressing a problem using methods that don't quite address it. Um, right. So here's here's the deal, right? So we're using scientific materialism to address something that is not scientifically material, right? You know, we're trying to use technology to to capture and control the environment and yes. in a sense it works kind of, but I I'm I'm confused only because as as a we live dual lives right you know we we are good scientific materialists until we can't be um right. y- you know in this instance right let's say somebody's healed by looking at a statue of the virgin mary or something and we say wow a miracle and then you know a buddhist halfway across the world you know does something similar and we say ah there's a scientific explanation for it and we right. live we live these dual dual lives and the problem is that we as a society are so so fractal in in this in, in you know and that's just a, a macrocosm of the micro 
and it's and it's the same thing here. You know, we have these these dueling ideals that are pushing and fighting against each other. Right. And and really, the problem is the subject object problem. You know, there's a subjective person or a subject that is experiencing an objective reality, but we are are remiss in right. in experiencing that object. And so the big question is this: Do you think that the future of paranormal research is more technology, less technology, or is it really a phenomenological problem, how we experience it and how we understand it? I think it's more of a phenomenological problem because basically, yeah, as the technology can advance and we might get like some kind of state of the art, like, you know, a thing that can pick up some like motion sensor in all 360 degrees, I think it's just everyone's going to interpret like it all differently, you know. So I think that, you know, every person that that's... Uh, Claiming there's a haunting in a home or business, it all depends. Like, are you having, you know, are you feeling that there's your visitations from the other side? Are you having visitations from, you know, an extraterrestrial or a Bigfoot? So it really all depends because it's all going to differ from person to person because each person might be experiencing or feeling something different, you know. So it's going to be very hard to be able to, uh, you know, the technology is wonderful, but it's actually more used to aid to the investigation than it is to actually. You know, um, it's more of like a, it's a companion. You know, it's a tool that we can use to try to, you know, you know, try to, um, you know, see what's going on in the humidity. Is the humidity changing? The temperature changing? You know, is there something? You know, is our are we using these REM pods and these state of the art devices? The technology should be used only as a companion to what we're experiencing. So if we can try to use the technology and we can try to, you know, um, capture evidence with the technology. That's only something else. And if, if the mediums are also picking up on things and impressions and all that, and you can use that in companion, the technology should only be used to technically use it as a uh, use it as, like a, as a device. As a, it's, a, it's basically it's like it's like working like a, like an orchestra. You have each part of the orchestra that's conducting the symphony, and the technology is exactly just one part of that you know piece of the puzzle. Okay, uh, Joshua. Uh, by the mid 1970s. And I started out in the early 70s with the same belief system. Most people still have the same belief system. I was very confused because I was running into ghosts of people who hadn't died yet and uh, doppelgangers, ghosts of places, uh, the same ghosts being seen in multiple places at the same time. Uh, how would you explain that if the dead people theory is correct? If the dead people theory is correct, I believe there are portals. So why can't spirits like move around from place to place? I mean, they're they're coming in and out of places. So factor in like water, like water's a conduit. So if spirits can move from one place to another, like via you know they might appear as orbs, they might appear as smoke. Uh, my overall like impression is like. You know, spirits are all around us. We don't physically see them, but there are definitely spirits that are here with us. We just need to be able to experience it. But like I said, it's very hard to understand, like, if there's a little girl spirit or is there, uh, is there a little boy or is there an older gentleman or some angry negative entity. I believe these spirits can move around in different forms and show themselves to to us in different ways, like such as maybe we might, like, have a particular smell. We might hear footsteps. So I believe that spirits can move to and from locations at will, all based on like what who who is calling from, what kind of person is asking, hey, would you be able to, um, you know, when you scan your ghost box, you also got to be very careful too when running like an AM and FM sweep because you got to factor in when you're running the ghost box, you might get like 
a lot of radio stations. You might get like four or five spirits, and you know they might come in and out. And of course, Gary Gawker, who's pretty amazing, um, you know, he's created the millimeter, which um, you know, of course, picks up electromagnetic fields and temperature. So the best thing that we can just try to do as paranormal investigator is just try to do the historical research, see if there's any kind of past events on the property that happened, any kind of tragedies or, you know, why these ghosts might still be here. You know, try to set up the equipment, conduct the hypothesis, test it, and refine it as best to our ability. And, of course, write a case report based on what we have experienced. So there's a lot that we can um, try to do um, to help our clients. And that's the most important thing is to try to make sure that they're comforted comforted in their homes and businesses worldwide by doing exactly what we're doing just you know doing the work and letting the work speak for itself what about the ghosts of people who haven't died yet the ghosts who have people who haven't died yet that is a good question so i think the best thing that you can probably do for those who have haven't died yet is like you know you just got to understand like what can you do physically to help them you know maybe move on maybe you can do a particular prayer or you can try to you know um you know, do some kind of, you know, religious ritual that might help. Um, there are different things that you can try to do depending on exactly what the situation is. Good, ben. Oh, you, you presented me with another with another good question, and I was just about to ask you something completely different. <laughs> what do we mean by help? Help means to assist and help move the spirit from one, you know, one place to another, meaning like, you know, if, say, for example, there's like some spirit that's been trapped there for 100 years, like some... Uh, older gentlemen who once told they're back in the 1800s and their spirit's still there, you want to try to be able to help them cross over. And the way that you can do that is by, like, saying, hey, you're no longer, you know, you no longer need to be in this home anymore. We want to help you cross over to the other side. Your, your family is waiting in heaven for you. So sometimes the, what you can do by help is we can help them transition. I think that's a good analogy is to help them get them out of that, you know, if they're a spirit that, say, example, they died tragically in a car accident, their spirit's still haunting the scene of that accident. We want to be able to help them uh, transition from where they're at here on Earth and in, in, in the physical dimension and get them over to where they need to be in the spiritual dimension, either heaven or hell. So the best thing that we can do is try to understand, you know, their story, why they're still haunting, and try to help them move, like, you know, transition from one one uh, one place to another using some of the techniques and things that we've been taught. Well, you um, may be right, but what if you're not? Uh, in our experience, the light that mediums will send people to is simply the electromagnetic boundary of a parallel world, of which, according to physics, there are billions and billions uh, in all possible outcomes. What if you're sending them to a hell world, and you're assuming that there's one quote-unquote spirit world and there might not be right you got to be very careful of like when you basically cleanse uh, a house you want to make sure that you don't send anything there that is like you know for example with the little kid you don't want to send them over to that dimension so the best thing that you can try to do is just try to understand like you know who's haunting the home or business try to you know, use some of the techniques that you can, but also you just have to be very careful about like how you say it and how you prepare it, you know. And there's, of course, there's different kind of rituals like from, you know, shamanism and, you know, Buddhism and different things that, you know, people use to help move spirits over. So that's why I'm kind of glad we do have um, a shaman that is available to assist us with different, like, techniques that they can use to help 
these spirits move from one place to another and they can do it safely without like affecting them, you know, sending the wrong ones over. So I think it's good to have people like shamans that can, you know, that have some certain techniques that they can use on their investigations. They're usually just a phone call away. So we have a, a couple of them on the team that are just kind of like advisors to us. So when we need them, we can just call and say, hey, what kind of techniques would you recommend helping move the spirit over and have them cross over to the correct dimension? So here's a question, because I, you know, inevitably we're going to get into eschatology. Um, what is heaven and what is hell? Right. In, in my opinion, heaven is, you know, it's it's, it's like a, it's like you know, I like to say it's it is a like a, a paradise. It's like you know, I think the Bible, of course, is we can look at the Bible as a way to define what heaven is. It's a kind of religious, cosmological. It's a supernatural place where deities, angels, saints, uh, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a it's a belief, and it's it's basically more than what we could understand. It is like a, it has light, it's described as the highest place, the holiest place, it's like a paradise, in contrast to hell or the underworld, which is, you know, so think of heaven as like a high place, where there's like holiness, there's, you know, light, there's virtues, there's right beliefs, there's simply divine will, but then there's hell, which is like, you know, what they say, I think the original name of it was called Hades, it was a afterlife in which, um, Souls are subjected to uh, punitive suffering, most often through torture as an external punishment after death. And, you know, of course, there's different ways that, you know, Christianity and Islam both um, interpret them, you know, of course, with reincarnation, uh, also with, um, you know, there's also different uh, styles of, you know, my opinion. But, you know, uh, we also describe it like as an underworld, like where basically, depending on how that person died, did the person murder and kill somebody? And that's why they're haunt. That's why they're, you know their spirit now is in, in hell. So I think there's definitely a lot of different ways to interpret it. I think uh, heaven is like the holiness, the, the most highest place, and then you have the underworld. And of course, you know in the Bible there's even stories of you know angels, of course, which were once uh, you know of course Lucifer was once up in heaven. And as we know from the, you know the story of Lucifer in the Bible, where he of course became Satan. He was like the most, he was the head of music, he was the most beautiful angel all, but then he was jealous of God. Well, and, nowhere so. in the Bible does it say that, that Satan and and Lucifer are the same thing. It doesn't say right. it anywhere. Right, but depending on the religion, like how you interpret that, you know. <laughs> well, that's, that's Paradise Lost. That's, you know, that was a, a book written by a Protestant minister. It's not actual, it doesn't really say that anywhere. I just want to make that, that distinction. Because um, the, the, this is, it's, it's important because... Time, time matters, right? Time, time matters, and the way that time functioned, especially in the old days, right? It was, it was, it was fluid. It, it was, it was a part of. There was no, there was no layers, right? So I blame our our nineteenth century German friends because they decided to say, well, you know, history is a science, and that's not true. History is not a science. Even Aristotle will tell you that you cannot know the essence of events, right? That's that's a very important distinction. So we weren't there. We don't know. Um, you know, all all we know is how how time and all these events functioned for our our ancient ancient ancestors. Right. It was all layers of reality that were happening at the same time. You know. Well, when did Satan fall from heaven? It doesn't right. matter because right. it are it's it's happening now. It happened then. It continues to happen. Right. You know. Any any you know. If you ever you ever go to I don't know let's let's say mass right you know they they say or or, or whatever any sort of liturgical service you know in any like, any any sort of Christian denomination it'll well old 
high church if you want to get we get real specific about it it's today is the day that we commemorate x and etc and it's like today is the day that this happened and it's you know because time doesn't matter right so right anyway with that being said you know um if time doesn't exist then why does knowing the history about a place or event matter well because especially knowing having historical research like what it does is like we try to we want to try to understand why why are why are spirits why is historical research important because we want to be able to understand the history of a place we want to be able to understand why is like what what what, what different places like what's all happened in the history of these locations what is is there any kind of like um amazing what kind of found, notable families live there what type of you know work did they do when living on the property what uh you know, uh, what kind? Of, did they have any pets? Was it a farm? Was it like a historical? Was it like a like, you know an asylum for you know people that were in need? So understanding the history can help us understand like if there's anything that is still there. You know, because a lot of times these spirits like might be trapped there and they might be looking for help. I mean, I could name so many places right in Pennsylvania that are so haunted that these spirits are still there. Look at Eastern State Penitentiary and Fort Mifflin and Gettysburg and you know, all the, in Penhurst, and a lot of these spirits still might be, like, tormented. They might not have passed on. So it's very important to have a good knowledge of the history because then if you need to, like, give, like, for example, we're doing paranormal tours, like, which we're planning on starting next year, like, we're going to walk people through the different locations and show them where things have happened. It helps you understand, like, the past and what um, what you can do, what you can learn from it and, and learn from how things happen so things in the future can be prevented at these different locations. So we often look... Um, I often heard a quote that I once heard that those who fail to remember the past are often doomed to repeat it. So we can try to learn from it so things don't happen again. So I think that's why it's very important to have good knowledge of historical information about places. Yeah, unfortunately, the past always repeats itself because that's how humans are. We exist in patterns. And we, we exist in ways that have been patterned by our ancestors, so nothing ever really changes. The only thing that right. changes is you know having iPhones and stuff. And even then, it's, it's, it's not super-duper different. You know, the the idea of using technology to control the world around us is has always been a thing, and that's yeah, that's a that's a topic for a different day. But in the meantime, um, we're 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 closing up on the end of the show pretty quickly. Um, so before we get into anything else, uh, Joshua, tell us about your websites where people can find out more about you and anything anything else you got going on. Sure. So the first thing I'm very excited to announce that we do have paranormal investigator courses that we're offering our Patreon and Udemy subscribers. People can go to our Patreon and account, which has all of our investigation videos, evidence that we've captured. We've been teaching people how to uh, take paranormal investigator classes and master classes. We have different tiers to this where we can offer our subscribers. Uh, That can be found uh, at patreon.com, all one word, patreon.com. Uh, slash phantom detective so patreon.com and uh, the last word phantom detectives like the t-shirt that's where you can find us uh if you want to subscribe and check out our investigations and all the wonderful things that we're offering on those accounts and we even are integrating the original dark matter news files that leo did for art into our patreon uh account so that's one thing our team website which is all one word phantomdetectives.org so phantomdetectives.org we just launched a new case form so people can request help that need us. We also just uh, went ahead and, you know, set up a new occult uh, spirituality department, which our friend Holly Falls, from, who worked with Paranormal State, uh, she's going to be heading that up. That page is now available. Um, and also people can go to darkmatternews.com, which, of course, belong to Leo Ashcraft, and we purchased the rights to um, 
Art Bell's affiliate director's news program. We continue with the Keep Arts Memory Alive. That's all one word, darkmatternews.com. To reach Melissa, our psychic medium, um, you know, who is also our case manager, she can be reached at all one word, psychicmediumautumn.com. That's psychicmediumautumn.com. And if you want to look her up on Facebook, you can like her page at Psychic uh, Medium Autumn Melissa. So it's all one word, Psychic Medium Autumn Melissa. And Rick, if you have any, uh, any of your listeners have any UFO research, they would like a case to be investigated. They report seeing any kind of, you know, lights in the sky or any kind of strange phenomenon in the sky. You can reach uh, Mr. Warner, who runs his own UFO organization at ERC, 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 the number two, explore.com. That's ERC to explore.com and you can also if you would like to reach the world-renowned psychic lawyer mark anthony psychic explorer he can be reached at all one word uh, afterlifefrequency.com that's afterlifefrequency.com okay um i see that you are an llc limited yeah. liability corporation yeah. do uh-huh. you charge people for services Right now, we're not going to be charging anybody um, because, you know, to me, like, the only thing, uh, now, if we have to drive somewhere to do an investigation, like, we always say uh, in the paranormal field, we never charge. But, now, say, for example, someone needs an investigation done in Kentucky and we're up in Pennsylvania and we have to drive there, we might charge, like, you know, hotel and gas fees just because we're, you know, we're donating our time, we're bringing our equipment to the locations. We never try to charge as much as possible because I know a lot of people frown down upon it in the field. But we, um, if we have to travel somewhere, we might ask for, like, you know, just, you know, common things that help with the uh, expense part, you know, of running, you know, our um, business. And, of course, we're going to be in the next year, we're hoping to start a paranormal tours division where we can take people through, like, Pennhurst and Fort Mifflin and show them all the places where there's been reported ghost sightings over the years in Gettysburg. So um, that is uh, very important that, you know, to not charge any kind of money. Because I, I try my best because, you know, we're, you know, we're setting up our equipment, but it just depends if the tra- there's travel involved, then we might have to charge, you know, just a little bit of money for donations and gas, which is completely normal, you know, depending on how far you got to go. If it's close by, we won't charge nothing. So I always kind of found that traditional, we'll say it was quote unquote traditional, um, ghost hunting, if you will, is kind of like fitting a square peg into a round hole. Um, right. You know, you're you're trying really hard to kind of, you know, use this sort of Hegelian idea of reality. You know, we're going to take all of these big cosmological things, we're going to flatten them out into a two-dimensional space, you right. know, and so we can understand it and, and quantify it. And right. and I, I've, I'm perplexed, and, and I, I, I wonder if you feel like that is the case. Do you, do you feel as if, you know, you're doing all these things... You know, you're like, yeah, we're getting results, but it's, but are the results good enough? And if that's the case, can they be better? I would say um, results for us, at least so far, on every client, every we have our client reviews. We got like right now, we got a Google Business Profile where we got like 16 consecutive really good reviews on all of our investigations. But I don't, I think they could be better. Meaning, like, I think that we could do a better job of you know, doing more review, I think that we could be doing a better job to, you know, uh, prepare for the investigations. I think that, you know, spiritually we should be praying and we should be, you know, certain things that we could do technique-wise and where we can get better, which such as, like, you know, um, for example, we're ending a negative location, such as saying prayers, saying St. Michael the Archangel's prayer, you know, the Lord's prayer, trying to help us, you know, put, like, sage over ourselves, 
depending on what the location is, make sure that, you know, we get blessed by priests when we're doing these investigations. Um, you know, so there's always things that we can do to try to get better. The, the best thing that we can do is just try to learn from every investigation, try to learn like what we can, um, you know, maybe we didn't set up a particular piece of equipment in the area. Maybe we didn't uh, capture anything at all. So we all, I think when you treat the spirits with respect and instead of saying, hey, you did it to him, now do it to me, like Zach Bag and stuff from Ghost Adventures, that's the wrong way to do it. But when you actually treat the spirits with respect and you say please and thank you, thank you for letting us come into your home and business, thank you for your time, you're going to get good results. And that's why we always end up capturing at least two or three different pieces of evidence on every investigation because we always try to treat the spirit. Respect for the spirits is like respect for each other. So... That's what we try to do. We try to go in with respect to every client, home business owner, and also to the uh, spirit world as well. So when you do that, you're going to get good results most of the time. I have this really interesting theory. Well, I say it's interesting. It could be incredibly boring for those who are listening, so I'm trying not to be conceited. Um, that paranormal research, or the paranormal, quote-unquote, in general, is the cosmology of modern of modern the modern world. Right, you know, there are are good modern ideas of of how things work, and it's all of these things that are you know they're futuristic. They're you know they're, you have aliens that are flying in from different planets. You have you know ghosts of dead people. You have Bigfoot. You have you know Mothman. You have all these things, and we're trying so hard to understand them. And the problem is that it, spirituality just doesn't fit into the modern world. And I'll po- I'll point out an example for that. So anthropology, right? Everybody everybody's kind of familiar with you know old school history. You open up a textbook, you know they're talking about early human history, and they're like, oh well, you know they discovered farms and they started agriculture, and oh by the way there was religion, and it, and they tack it on at the end like it's optional, right? Right. And you know I I think that 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 is is garbage um, because you have sites like um, Gobekli Tepe in the middle of nowhere, right? There's there's you know nothing going on. It's in the middle of a desert, but yet there were people that would come to this place, and obviously it had some sort of significance to it, right? So religion and spirituality matters, and I always find that with the paranormal, quote unquote, it's sort of this outlier, and it's it's sort of this like fun little thing that people are like, oh, that's interesting. And, you know, they don't discount it. You know, arguably, people are more open to it now than they were years ago. But oh, yeah. how we how we experience it is is sort of this this materialist version of ritual. You know, we have our yeah. technology. We, we commune with the technological gods. Give us evidence, we say, to, to the cameras and the EV, to the electronic voice phenomena, to our tape recorders, to, you know, our ghost boxes. And we get a thing. And whatever that thing is, we say, here it is. We found the afterlife. We found this other reality. And sometimes it's good enough and sometimes it isn't. And at the end of the day, the problem is that it's still a two-dimensional reality. And it's you have to go to this place to experience it, when yeah. rather than it being a portion of reality. Do you, do you follow what I'm saying? Yeah. Like maybe like these people that are not open to it, they have to be able to, to go to these locations themselves and experience it, or they're not going to believe it. Like just like you know, for example, think about the story of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, where you know in the Bible that he claims after he resurrected, people didn't you know there's like more than 500 eyewitnesses of seeing people seeing Jesus after his crucifixion. You know, and these people were, would have been marked or crucified or tortured had they said something back in the days of, you know, the Roman Empire. So it's that same analogy, like, 
if, if unless people have seen, you know, for example, that boulder being pulled out of the uh, of the rock that was, you know, that was removed from Jesus's tomb, and people, unless they physically see Jesus, you know, spiritual body walking by and you know raising, you know, being raised from the dead after three days of being crucified, you know, people aren't going to believe it. Like just like you know, for example, even if Jesus himself would have walked during that time when he resurrected right in front of all the religious leaders, they still wouldn't believe it was him. So how do you prove it? It's just you know, you, you got to actually physically be there to see it. So unless you don't, and people say, well, these religious here, like Pontius Pilate, like when they believe that Jesus resurrected, they didn't, they, they didn't want to do it. They didn't believe it. So they didn't see him. So how could they believe? You have to be there at that point. You know, that's what you made a really good point there. Yeah. Well, I, I don't think that's the thing. I don't think you need to go to these places because right. it's a part of reality already. Right. You know, right. You, you put down your car keys and then you turn around and they're gone and you're just like, ah, it's one of those things. But it's it's not. It's it's a part of reality, and I, I think the problem with this is it's postmodernism, right? You know, we throw out all the old ideas, and then we get to the wall that is nihilism, and you you can only throw out so much before you realize, oh God, you know, we're missing something, and so you turn back and you try to grab as much as you can, and try to use that to to kind of explain reality once again. But the problem is, you know, you can only throw out so much. Right. And, exactly. And so, yeah. in my personal opinion, the problem is how we experience reality as good modern people is right. is very very two dimensional, and it's you know it's either you know it's either all spiritual, it's all technology, or it's you know there's no never the twain shall meet, and if they do meet, they'll just butt heads the whole time. And right. I I think the problem is. Spiritualism was was a reaction to scientific materialism. You know, that's that that's just what it is. You know, and it's entirely intuitive, and it's you know versus all of the intellectual. And the problem is, we need a balanced approach to it. And so, with with that being said, um, you know, we're kind of coming up to the hour, but I'll, I'll leave you with this question: Do you find that you're getting a balanced approach? I think, um, technically, uh, I would say that there are, like, we were you really relying more on the technology, but also I want to try to have that spiritual side to it, so there has to be a way to counterbalance them both and kind of bring them together, and that's something that we're going to try to continue to improve upon as we get more experience and continue to get better at this, trying to, like, like you said, it kind of like taking those two bridges and connecting them and making sure, like, one side doesn't weigh over the other. You know, that can be very difficult for a lot of people, for a lot of teams, but we're going to try to eventually bridge that gap in the near future as we continue to get better. So I definitely think that we can bring a balanced approach as we uh, continue to improve and grow. So that's something that is going to have to take time. We're going to have to continue to work at And that's the best we can do, just continue to try to keep working at it and not rely strictly on just the technology, but also we're trying to use that, you know, use that sea salt method. We're trying to keep it all streamlined and flat so that so that both sides can try to connect and try to bring them together as one. Mm. Well, I guess that's, that's a, oh, I'm sorry, dad. You have, you have something no, to say? we're done. I had a, Hundred more questions, but we're out of time. Thank you, Josh. Hey, I just wonderful time. Love the show, and anytime you want us to come back, just let me let us know. It'd be awesome. Thank you. Yeah, sure thing. Hey, stick with us for a little bit while we go through our announcements. So. Uh, if you're anywhere in or around or on top of New England, uh, you can take a look at the Exeter UFO Festival on Labor Day weekend. That's September 2nd and 3rd. Uh, the event benefits local children's charities. Uh, sadly, we have had to bow out this year because of my father's health. Uh, but please go and support the event if you can, and you can get more information at uh, ExeterUFOFestival.org. And uh, the 
Yeah, we're kind of running out of time, so we'll get to the uh, 2023 Western Connecticut UFO Conference presented by the Danbury Public Library. Uh, we, that will take place virtually and in, in person on October 22nd and 29th. Uh, and we will we'll, uh, begin the event with the show on uh, October 22nd with a very special guest, Reverend Michael Carter of Ancient Aliens and live audience interaction. And there's more information to come. And don't forget about the Greater New England UFO slash Bigfoot Conference that is coming back, and this will be a one-day event on November 19th at the Veterans Memorial Center in Lemonster, Massachusetts. You can watch for more information about that. Uh, what do we got next week, Ben? Well, August 27th, uh, we'll talk about underwater ghosts and other high strangeness with Scottish researcher Malcolm Robinson. We'll leave you today with a thought from American author Anthony J. D'Angelo. In your thirst for knowledge, be sure not to drown in all the information. I'm Paul Eno. And I'm Ben Eno, and thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey. We shall see you next time on... Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.